There's nothing that your love can do. You've been nothing but good, nothing but good to me. You've been nothing but kind, nothing but kind to me. And all of my days and time after time, You've been faithful all my life You've been nothing but good God, you are good to me You've been nothing but good Nothing but good to me You've been nothing but kind oh, Nothing but kind to me all of my days, time after time, you've been faithful all my life. You've been nothing but good. God, you are good to me. I want to say thank you, thank you for all you've done for me. I will praise you. yet to come I want to say thank you thank you for everything you've done I will praise you praise you for all that's yet to come been nothing but good nothing but good to me You've been nothing but kind, for nothing but kind to me. Through all of my days, time after time, you've been faithful all my life. You've 
you've been nothing but good God, you are good to me I want to say thank you Thank you For everything you've done I will praise you Praise you For all that's yet to come I want to say thank you Thank you for everything you've done. I will praise you, praise you for all that's yet to come. You've been nothing but good, nothing but good to me. You've been nothing but kind. Nothing but kind to me And all of my days Time after time You've been faithful All my life You've been nothing but good Nothing but good to me God, you are good to me God, you are good to me. And you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect. In all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us And I've heard a thousand stories of what They think you're like Oh, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I am loved by you it's who I am it's who I am, it's who I am Oh, I've seen many searching for answers far and wide But I know we're all searching for answers You provide because you know what we need before we say a word You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I am loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am Love so 
Undeniable hiking I can hardly speak for peace Unexplainable hiking I can hardly think as you call me Deeper still as you call me Deeper still as you call me Deeper still into love Love, love, you're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I am loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways All to us You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every prayer we could ever bring We live for you Oh Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every song breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you only there is no one like you There is none beside you You opened up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love To those around me And holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you You opened up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love 
to those around me. Oh, those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. You're worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Only for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We live for you. You're holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. You opened up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and feel me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me you're holy there is no one like you there is none beside you you opened up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me and your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken and I will build my life upon your love it is a and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken and holy there is no one like you there is none beside you you opened up my eyes in wonder and show you are and fill me with your heart and lead me and your love to those around me and holy there is no one like you there is none beside you you opened up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those 
us to show you to everyone around us, Father. You're a holy God, wonderful and mighty in all your ways. You have called us to, to be your ambassadors. Help us, Father, in all of our ways to display you, Father. Ooh, convict us, Father, when our, our motives are wrong and when our actions are wrong and when we let the flesh take over because you're holy you're holy help us to be Jesus to every person around us we want to be a reflection of who you are Father no one like you there is none beside you you opened up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love those around me holy you are holy and holy you are holy oh you're holy you are holy you are holy you are holy you are Father, let us not ever forget that you are holy. We get so stuck in the ruts and the and the and the just the everyday mundane life. But we forget that you're holy. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Oh, our God is an all-consuming fire. Worthy are you, Lord, worthy of our praise. We're laying down our lives. 
Oh, and lifting high your name. Also in this moment now, we're all in mercy meet. God, let your fire fall. Oh, consume this offering. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Oh, our God is an all-consuming fire. Yes, our God is an all-consuming fire. Oh, our God is an all-consuming fire. Worthy are you, Lord, oh, worthy of our praise. We lay in town our lives, oh, we lift in high your name. So in this moment now, we're all in mercy meet. God, let your fire fall, oh, consume this offering. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Yes, He is Lord. Our God is an all-consuming fire. You are holy. You are holy. Yes, you are holy. Who is like you? There's no one like you. You are worthy. You are worthy. Yeah. You are worthy. Who is like you? There's no one like you. Cause you are. Holy, you are holy. holy. Yes. You are holy. Who is like you? There's no one like you, and you are worthy. Oh, you are worthy. Oh, yes, you are worthy. Who is like you? There's no one like you. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Our God is an all-consuming fire. 
Our God, He's an all-consuming fire. Yes, He is, Lord, our God. He's an all-consuming fire. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Burn it all up, Lord. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Oh, receive this offering, Lord. Oh, the sacrifice of praise on the altar, Lord. We put our flesh on the altar, Lord. Oh, consume the sacrifice. We lay our lives down before you So that you can purify our lives Burn up what is not pleasing to you, Lord Burn up what doesn't glorify you Burn up what doesn't lift you up Open up What doesn't glorify you Open up What doesn't pure Doesn't glorify you, Lord Open up What doesn't glorify you Cause our God is an all-consuming fire God is an all-consuming fire. Cause you are holy. You are holy, holy Lord. You are. like you there's no one like you you are worthy you are worthy yes you are worthy who is like you no one like you, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy, who is like you? no one like you you are worthy there's no one more worthy you are worthy there's nothing else that's more worthy you are worthy 
Who is like you? There's no one like you. You are worthy of all of my praise. You are worthy. Oh, you are worthy of all my heart, Lord. Almighty, 
And worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. Holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? And worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, you are holy. You are worthy. 
You know, the incredible truth is that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And with that in mind, you would picture that everybody else is worship is, is serving him, bowing before him, kneeling before him. And he is worthy of all that. And yet the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he gave his son Jesus to die for us. And he came searching for us. He came looking for us. How many of you are glad he came looking for you? You didn't go looking for him. I guarantee you most of us were looking for something else. And it was on our way to seeking and looking for something else that we met Jesus. He came and found us where we were. And then God says that we have the ability to come boldly before his throne to ask anything, anything. He didn't put qualifications on it. He said, ask anything because he, through Christ, has given us access to his throne. Imagine walking up to a king or a president or someone of royalty and go, hey, how you doing? I got a question for you. you know, no, nobody would do that. You wouldn't get close to him. And yet the king of kings says you can come boldly before my throne and ask anything. So I just wonder if there's anyone here tonight that you need a couple people just to join and pray with you about anything at all. We don't need to necessarily know what it is. You can tell us if you want. You can tell the few people there. But we want to pray for you. Because God said we can come boldly before his throne to find grace in time of need. And so if you have something you need someone to just join with you and agree with you in prayer about, why don't you just slip up your hand and we'll pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just here to agree with you and pray with you. Anyone at all? No one? That's great. Awesome. Okay. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for the fellowship that we have. We pray for the children and the tweens and the teens, Lord God, tonight, that you administer to them. We pray, Lord God, for the outreach going on in the New Orleans area and those that will be going down there and participating and being a part of that. Father, we just pray that there would be an abundance of fruit that would come forth from the efforts that are put forth down there. And Father, that it would bring glory and honor to your name and to the name of your son Jesus and his kingdom purposes. Now, Holy Spirit, just open our hearts that we might hear and that we might apply the truth of your word that God, our lives would continue to be formed in the image and likeness of Jesus. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen. Before, why don't you take a couple minutes, just turn, go across the aisle, turn around, shake somebody's hand, introduce yourself if you don't know them, whatever. This is a good time to do that.
Well, praise the Lord. Amen. It's a good day. Today's my spiritual birthday. 54 years ago, I met Jesus Christ. 54 years ago today. <laughs> it's a 1968 Colony Park, Mercury Colony Park station wagon, green with wood paneling down the side. On the front seat passenger side at 2 o'clock in the morning in Merced, California. That's where I met Jesus. And I uh, had no idea. I started to say this morning when I, I didn't even realize the prayer this morning, and all of a sudden, near the end of prayer, it dawned on me hey, today's my birthday. And, and, I, and I put on, I started to say, what a wild ride it's been. <laughs> but then I thought somebody might misunderstand that. And so I just, I said, what a great ride it's been. Uh, 54 years, he's been so faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we started a series about four weeks ago, uh, five, six weeks ago, I don't know, but this is the fourth part of it. We're talking about walking in God's promises. And uh, I stopped in the middle of last week because there was just too much to do it all in one night. And so I'm just going to recap a little bit of last week for those who weren't here or maybe forgot or maybe they were someplace else or whatever. Um, but uh, we're just talking about walking in the promises of God. And really what the goal of this whole thing is, is to identify and, and learn to apply the great promises of God that are found in the scripture, in the Bible, that commonly arise to situations in our lives. Okay? There's, I know we all think that our situation is different, but it's very common. Most of us have a lot of the same things that we, we struggle with. And so we do that by locating and claiming specific promises in the Word. And so last week we began looking at the subject of having mental peace, or I guess another way of putting it would be having peace of mind, okay? And um, uh, this is the second part, but I'm going to recap the first part. And I just talked about the fact that so many people today um, go to have the problem or suffer from the problem of mental torment. They do not know what true peace of mind really is. And we just talked about some of the pressures in life. We could make a list a mile long. All of us could make a list. But we just talked about a few things. Uh, peer pressure, uh, the pressure to conform to be like others, whether it's a social thing or an age group or whatever. We talk about from our children on up. We're always been subject to peer pressure. Uh, another one we talked about is financial pressure, earning enough money to satisfy uh, material desires. The world tells you you, sh you should be driving this vehicle and you should have this kind of house and you should have this and this and this and we think we have to do that. Uh, in my day and age, it was called keeping up with the Joneses. If the next door neighbor's got a pool, you had to have a pool. If they got a new car, you had to get a new car, that kind of thing. Um, for some, it's, it's not uh, accumulating stuff, but as much as it is be, um, being concerned or having pressure to have uh, enough finances to provide in their later years of life, okay? Um, another one is what I put just the pressure to survive. Um, that deals with everything from health and sickness, um, 
all of those kinds of things. Uh, they're just so, there are just so many of them. But there is a constant, I know there is, because I've talked to people and I struggle with it uh, many times, that there is a constant, or often, I guess maybe should say, uh, um, uh, inner voice that is constantly accusing, constantly threatening, constantly tormenting our thoughts. And, and it is part of life that it happens, but it doesn't have to be that way, and it doesn't have to stay that way. I can't stop every thought that comes into my mind. Come on now. You know? But I can do something about whether it stays there. And that's, and that's where the problem comes for so many. And, and we said last week that where there is a voice, there is someone behind that voice. Now, a lot of times we think of someone, you know, that we know. And, and there may be people who are putting pressure on you, peer pressure. Yeah. But really, the Bible says that if you are uh, without, whether you realize it or not, there is a spirit of darkness. The, the Bible calls him the devil, Satan. And he is out to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. And he loves to accuse. In fact, the Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. And, and uh, many times when it's torment, I could talk to people when they're tormented. You could just listen to them and they're tormented about things that they're thinking about. And we're going to look at some of those things real quick. Um, some of the common things the enemy brings against us, for accusations. They'll tell us, oh, God doesn't love you. He's given up on you. He's, he, you failed him too many times. Um, and that brings the feelings of rejection and loneliness. Nobody wakes up in the morning going, I hope I get rejected today. I hope, I hope everybody hates me today. Nobody feels that way. If you do, you, you really need us to pray for you before you leave here tonight, okay? Um, uh, another one is you'll always be a failure. You'll never all amount to anything. You'll, nothing good will ever come from your life. And people that, and oftentimes that comes from people who are close to us. And, and those people, those words hurt the worst. A stranger could say, you'll never be anything. And I'm like, who are you? You don't know me. You know, but somebody close to you says that. It really hurts. Uh, another one is our, uh, attacks that are physical pain or symptoms of a disease. Um, and we talked about the fact that, that you know, um, we could wake up one day and have a pain somewhere and just mention it to someone and your coworker could say, you know, my aunt had that and she had cancer, <laughs> you know, and immediately comes that voice. It's cancer. It's cancer, you know, and then that begins the torment. It begins, you're thinking, no, 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 but then it keeps coming and we don't realize how the enemy works. And so we looked in the book of Job and, and we looked at these, these words, what I feared. And in Job chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, it says, this is what Job said. He said, what I feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. Now, if you've read, ever read the book of Job, or at least the first few chapters and the last two chapters, you'll have a good synopsis of what it's like. God was bragging on, on Job 
to Satan and he says, oh, that's because he blesses you and praises you because you've just surrounded him and nobody can get near him and hurt him. Just let me after him and see what happens. And God says, you could do anything you want to him, but you can't kill him. And so we read in there that he loses, he loses his property. He loses his children. Um, he, he, he comes down with boils all over his body. He's literally scraping them off and he's crying. And his wife, who's supposed to be his helpmate, comes out and says, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, it just couldn't get a whole lot more worse than that. And yet Job was wise enough to recognize who God was. And he said, he said, though he would slay me, yet I will still praise him. And he, but he, he made this statement. He said, that which I feared has come upon me. And this is a contemporary disease, I'm convinced, if I can put it that way, of, of our day and age. People live in fear. Fear of so many things. And that fear is opening a door, a doorway in their lives. The, the very thing that they're dreading is the thing, if they dwell on it and think about it and talk about it, it like opens a door. And the enemy, the devil, uses that to bring additional difficulties upon us. Like, have you ever just said, Lord, I don't think it could get it. Or could it could, could it get any worse? And then all of a sudden something hits you and you go, yeah, it could get worse. You're like, well, you asked if it could get worse. I don't know why we're surprised when we say that. And then something else happens. So if, if, if doors, the enemy uses doors or we, uh, has us, allows us to open doors, we have to learn to close the doors. And so we talked about just two of them last week. And one of the biggest ones is the door of resentment and unforgiveness. Years and years ago, um, my wife and I were traveling uh, around the country in ministry. And uh, we, had a, we had a few days off. We were living in Opelousas. And um, uh, so uh, a church in Crowley had been in a revival meeting for, at that time, for about 14 months. And so we drove over from Opelousas to one of the services because we knew the minister who was speaking. And I was sitting in the back, and I heard the Holy Spirit just speak to my heart and just say, I'm about to show you the Achilles tendon, the Achilles heel of the church. And I watched, and um, the minister had preached, and a lot of people came forward for prayer, and, and, and uh, many of them came forward mostly for physical touching their body. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, they, they won't get healed. And I said, well, Lord, why? And he said, because there's, there's one thing they haven't dealt with. And I said, what is that? And he said, unforgiveness. He said, the door of unforgiveness. He said, it's the Achilles heel. And if you don't understand that, you go read the, the story of Achilles and, and the mythology behind that. And um, it will make more sense, but um, a person has, especially if we're holding unforgiveness or resentment or, you know, just bitterness towards somebody, it's usually somebody close to us. Again, a stranger doesn't impact me or affect me anywhere as near as somebody who, have you ever felt betrayed? Have you ever had someone think ill of you when 
it wasn't so. I've been accused of so many things because somebody said, well, you looked at me a certain way. I said, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, you kind of just want to go around like this, you know, like, you know, and then they would say, well, you wouldn't look at me. You know, I mean, um, so you have to deal with resentment and unforgiveness. And I don't have time to go into all this. We talked about this last week. Um, it is on the website and you can find it there or download it and look on your phone or whatever. We said another uh, door that had to be closed was um, the one of a, a door of rebellion, an attitude of rebellion. And we talked about the fact that, that um, uh, this, this attitude of rebellion ultimately leads to God. Because rebellion, the Bible says rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. Because that's the way God looks at it. Because he says, if you're in rebellion against authority, God established authority. And, and if you're in rebellion against it, then that's how serious God looks at that. And we have to, we have to ask God to forgive us for those things. Um, to, we, we must forgive the person that we resent. We must lay the bitterness and the hatred down. And, and I'm just telling you, you can't just say, I'm going to pray about it. You have to do it. Uh, and the key to that is that forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. I, if I'm waiting for the feeling that I want to forgive, it's never going to come. In fact, it's going to, I'm going to talk myself into being more bitter and more angry than ever before. And, and we have to learn to close those doors. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 12, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is really the prayer of the disciples. They asked him to teach, uh, that he would teach them to pray. And in Matthew 6 and 12, he says, we pray this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We have no right to ask God to forgive us beyond the degree that we're willing to forgive others. So if you're not going to forgive others, in fact, the gospel tells us that if you refuse to forgive, God cannot forgive you, period. That's all there is. So we have to forgive, and then we have to close the door to rebellion, and, and the way to do that is to submit to God. Because rebellion essentially is against God, all right? It's, and it, too, is a decision. It's not a feeling like, I'm. well, when I feel like it, I'm going to do it. No, it's a decision that we have to make. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. People, I've had people say before, I, I, when I resist, it seems like he doesn't flee from me. He flies on me. Well, I have to ask, are you in rebellion? Are you in rebellion against God? Are you in rebellion against someone who's in authority, uh, has an authority a place in your life? Whatever. You cannot resist the devil as long as you're resisting God. And if you're in rebellion against God, then you cannot, you have no strength to resist the darkness that comes against you. So submission to God is a decision of our will. And we, we can do that by simply just saying, God, I choose today to submit to you. You're the creator. I'm the creation. You're the potter. I'm the, I'm, I'm the clay. I submit to you my life, the dealings in my life. And, and I, I am submitting myself to whatever is required of me. 
that you need me to do so that I can have peace of mind. It just depends on how mad you really want, how badly you want peace of mind. And so um, we said, when we do that, when we close the door to the enemy, then we can pick up the word of God, which the Bible says is the sword of the spirit. We can use this word. And when the enemy comes with those tormenting thoughts, then we are in the right place that we can re resist him and we can speak against him and have our peace of mind. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness three times, what did he say? It is written, it is written, it is written. So the answer is in this Bible. It's right here. And the promises are there concerning any th true thing. And you say, well, if I do those things, what's the ultimate result? The ultimate result is true peace of mind. Now, there is a false peace of mind, and that's when we convince ourselves that there's a way to have peace of mind that's different from the way that God says do it. That is a substitute. Substitutes never work, right? I mean, they just don't work. They, well, I won't go down that line. They just don't work. I'm just telling you, there's no shortcut around it. And so once we, real, we realize that we need a release from the tormenting thoughts of our mind, the things that were full of anxiety and fear and all those kinds of things that, that we're worried about. And man, this is a crazy day and age in which we're living. Every day you, you, you wake up and you hear news and you go, what about this? What about this? What about this? Just this afternoon, I was just reading and, and, I, and there, uh, Russia leaked uh, documents came out and, and uh, it was shown where Russia has a new set of rules that, that where they will engage in nuclear warfare. And it is so much lower than what anybody thought. The threshold is so low that they said, if this happens, this happens, this happens, we will launch nuclear weapons. And it took every government in the world by surprise. And, and you know, you could look at that and go, we're all going to die. <laughs> you know, well, we are one day. I mean, you know, more than likely. Um, so I'm just saying that we need to have true peace of mind, not a false peace of mind. And the first and, and, and most important peace of mind we need is knowing that we have peace with God first. That is what allows you to lay your head down and close your eyes and say, God, my life is in your hands. And I, if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'll be with you. You know, I mean, when the, the enemy loves to bring fear into our lives, how many of you have ever been in almost a major auto accident? Okay, yeah, and then you go, <gasps> and, and then you replay it in your mind, what just happened. What happens when you replay it? It gets worse. <laughs> it gets closer. It gets like, oh, no, I don't know how I missed that. How, how did I get out, you know? And I'm just telling you, peace of mind with God is where it starts. If you don't have peace with God and peace of mind with God, everything else that I'm going to say, is, is, it, it doesn't even apply. 
Because that's the foundation. That's the basis of what I'm talking about. You have to have a right relationship with God. Isaiah 48 and 22 says there's no peace for the wicked. No peace. There's, no, there's not even a false peace. There's no peace for those who stand opposed to God, to his word, to what he, what you, he, he created each of us with a purpose and a destiny. And he says, I have something for you that's so incredible. But when we want to do our own thing, there's not going to be any peace. But when we have peace with God, we become reconciled with God. How many understand being reconciled? Reconciled is what? You, let's say you and another person are having a difference of opinion. And eventually you come together or maybe a third party comes together and mediates for you, but you bring together, you talk things out and you reconcile with one another. You put, you get all those things worked out. No, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. This, whatever. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry too. And you're reconciled. That means you're, you're put back in a right relationship with God. Uh, Paul wrote to the believers in Rome in chapter 5, verse 11, and he said, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So what he's talking about is being reconciled to God. We've received this reconciliation. The word reconciliation here means resolution or reunion or a settlement. So he's saying we've been reunited with God. How could we be reunited? Well, you had to have been united to be reunited, right? I mean, you know, I've always told people, they say, well, to revive something means you had to have been vibed. You know, you can't be revived if you've never revived. And, and, and what is revive? It means to bring alive again, right? And, and so um, this, this reunion or reconciliation was because Adam and Eve were created. They were in perfect standing with God. Through their sin, they were separated with God. That sin was passed down through the generations to each and every one of us that we lived with a sinful nature. And, but Christ came and through his death on the cross and his resurrection out of the tomb, he offers us the opportunity to be reconciled with the Father in heaven, to be reunited. So we, Adam and Eve were united. They separated. Jesus came along and offers reunion, offers that reuniting back together again. But he states that every person of their own accord, and this is the most important thing, they have to make things right with God. You can't do it for you, for anyone else but you. You can't do it for your spouse. You can't do it for your best friend. You can't do it for your kids. You can't do it for your mom, your dad, whatever. It just, it, every person has to make their own reconciliation with God. And when they make things right with God and they come into a relationship or an agreement with God, then all of a sudden they'll, realize, they'll find out that Jesus Christ paid the penalty on the cross for their sin. 
He took upon himself. He was the sin offering, the Bible says, that God required so that sins could be forgiven, so that they can be reconciled. And once we realize that, see, I, I didn't grow up understanding any of this. It took me years, even after coming to Christ, to really understand this. Because in my household was so dysfunctional because my father was absent a lot simply because he was in the military and gone a lot. But even when he was home, it was very, very dysfunctional. And I was always trying to earn affirmation from him, approval from him. And so when I came to Christ, not with, a, with, with, with that kind of background, I was always trying to earn my heavenly father's approval. And every time I would sin, every time I would fail, I, I felt that, that disconnect between me and God. And, 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 and because that's what I felt between me and my father. Because I would hear, well, that's the best you could do. You couldn't do better than that. I, mean, I, was, I never heard affirmation. Never. And, and so I carried that over into my spiritual walk with God. And it was hard for me to understand this. And so I never had true peace of mind because I felt like I could never live up and get the approval of my heavenly father. And what I didn't realize is that, what, that the price that Christ paid on the cross for me and that he paid for you, the Bible says, I have now received reconciliation. I've been reunited with him. No, you can't be reunited with someone and be separated. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, there can't be a division between you and you be united. You're not, you're not, you're divided. That's what you are. You're not united. And, and, and so we can have peace, true peace with God and true uh, peace of mind when we recognize that. Picture a coin that has two sides, two distinct sides. On one coin is a mental torment, which is a negative. On the other side of the coin is enjoying true peace of mind. That's a positive. And that's the way it is with God. When you have a relationship with God, you can literally have peace of mind. Without God, there is no peace of mind. There is no middle, middle ground. And being reconciled with God is the truth for the basis or foundation for mental peace. You, you build on that. I have to know that, I, that my, I'm, I'm reconciled with God, that he accepts me. I will never forget the day I won't go into the details. It was a long day. I was driving down the road and I was listening to a song and, and, and I heard the song and it, and, and it dealt with the Father's love. I, don't, I remember this person who sang it. I don't even remember the name of the song. I'd have to go look it up. But the words just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and basically what it was saying was that God doesn't love, but God is love. When we think of someone who loves, we think of someone who loves in degrees. God cannot love in degrees because he is love. And because of that, in the song he was saying, I was fully accepted, 
fully loved, always his. And I remember pulling off the road. I lived in outside West Monroe at the time. And I pulled off the road in the woods there and just sat there and cried for like 15 minutes because that truth finally hit me. And I said, oh, how I wish I had known this earlier in my walk so that I could have peace of mind, true peace of mind. Because I always felt like I was trying to earn something that was just out of my grasp. And once we know this, once we know that we're right with God and that God is on your side, do you know that? If you're a Christian born again by the Spirit of God and you've surrendered and you, are, you have a relationship with God, He is for you. He is not against you. I, I grew up with the opposite mindset. Because everything bad happened, I would hear, that's God getting you back for being bad. That's God getting you back. That's God getting you back. And I'm thinking, I'm, that's, that's, that God just sat up there. I pictured God in my mind as just like this old guy on a throne with a big white beard and white hair, and he had a big stick, and thunderbolts came out of the end of it. And he just waited for me to get out of line, and he would hit me with those thunderbolts because I was being told that's God getting you back for what you did that's God getting you back that's God getting you back imagine growing up like that and then you open your Bible and read that God is for you he's not against you I'm like Some, something's not making sense because all I've heard is God's after me God's out to punish me God's out to take me down you know Paul expresses this again in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. Look what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, the, the, the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's, that's, the, that's the main thrust of what Paul is saying. If, if he gave up his son for us, why would we not think that God is for us? He paid the ultimate price that he could ever pay, the greatest price. So he's for us. He's on our side. And, and you know, somebody expressed it one time, says, God plus you Make a majority. Because look, God, God by himself is a majority, I'm just telling you. But God plus one is a majority. And, and, and God is for you. He's, he's, he's not against you. And so if he's for you, then all the resources of heaven are, are, are available to you and I. And when we comprehend that by faith, and, and, and it has to take hold inside of us, that we have been reconciled with God, then we can begin to move into a place where we can receive the promises that God has in his word. In the book of Philippians, chapter four, verses six and seven, look what it says. Be anxious for nothing. Say those four words with me. Be anxious for nothing. Look at your neighbor and tell him that. <laughs> okay? Be anxious for nothing. I don't know who put that in there. I mean, God put it in there, obviously, right? 
He wouldn't put something in there if it wasn't possible. All right? He'd be a cruel God to tell us we could do something that was impossible for us to do. So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice this next part. I've underlined that last part. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What are we talking about? We're talking about having peace of mind, okay? When we're talking about the heart in the Bible, we're not talking about this organ in our chest that's beating and pumping blood. The heart deals with the soul. It deals with the the, the faculty, it's the control center of our life where we make decisions, we make choices and all kinds of things. He said, and the peace of God which passes all comprehension. In other words, you can't measure it, you can't weigh it out, you can't, there, 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 it's beyond dimensions, okay? Will guard your hearts and minds. We're talking about peace of mind, mental peace, okay? So, you know, uh, in New Age, a lot of our Eastern mysticism, a lot, they say you have to empty your mind. No, that's, that's not what God's word says. Empty, if you empty your house, somebody's going to move in. How many of you have been seeing this stuff on the news for the last couple of years, especially late, where people have gone on vacation or gone somewhere or whatever, and they come back and there's squatters in their house, and they can't get them out because it's a civil matter. The police can't get them out because it's not a criminal offense. And one lady, I just read about her situation, people were in her house for almost a year, and it took her almost a year to get them out, and when they did, she had over $100,000 worth of damage because squatters just moved in because they found the place empty. And this is happening all over the country. It's unreal. And, and uh, every time I read an article, I, I, I read it because I want to hear the specifics about it. And, and, and it's amazing. You, you can't evict them. You can't get them out. You can't, you can't get them for trespassing. You can't do anything. Well, listen, if your mind is empty, the enemy's going to come and fill it. You know, the thing to do is fill your mind with God's word and what God's promises are so that there's no room for a squatter. There's no room for someone to come and take up place there. Leaving your mind empty is being un unprotected. Um, so you have to fill your mind with the peace of God. And, and the peace of God, what does it say? Will guard your hearts and minds. The word guard there is interesting because I think guard, I think of someone who's standing guard. But it really means to, to build a garrison. How many of you understand that? In other words, build a fort. How's that? Build a fort around it. In other words, so he said, the peace of God, he said, will guard, will build a fort around your heart and your mind. Okay, the peace of God is going to do it. So you have to protect your mind. You can't just go, I want someone to pray for me so that my mind's protected. Well, they're not with you 24 seven. 
And they don't know what's coming in your mind all the time. How many of you just out of nowhere have a thought and you wonder where in the world did that come from? Right? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like... The thing I'm trying to remember, I can't remember. And while I'm going to remember it, I've got all these other things coming in my mind. I'm going, no, I don't want that. I don't want to remember what it came in here for or what I, what I put, where I put it down or, or whatever. I walked around my house today almost 15 minutes looking for my glasses. Somebody had sent me a text and I couldn't read it. I needed my glasses. And my wife, and, and I looked outside. I looked everywhere. I'd been outside. I'd, been, I'd, I'd done so many things. I kept looking. I said, God, I know if I dropped my glasses. It seemed like I'd know I dropped my glasses. But God, I only use them for reading, so I don't wear them all the time. And I'm like, where are those glasses? And finally, my wife looks up and she goes, and, and I had put on a shirt. I don't know why, whatever. Anyway, I, all of a sudden, I had red bite marks all over me. And, and it was like a million ants biting me. And so I, I ripped off my shirt and threw it down. But I checked the shirt. My, my glasses weren't there. And my wife finally looks at me. She goes, did you look on the end table right there? And she, I said, I looked at her and I said, I, I think I'd have remembered putting my glasses there. She goes, I don't know. You've looked everywhere else. And I looked and there were my glasses. And the whole time I'm thinking of 40 other places my glasses could be. For 15 minutes, I lost my peace of mind, I guarantee you. Because I'm thinking, now i got to go buy another pair of glasses. These aren't but six months old, you know. Man, you have to protect your mind. I can't do it for you. I don't know what's coming in. I don't know what's coming against you. I don't know what those voices are. And when I have voices, I'm not talking about like you're weird and you're hearing voices. I'm talking about thoughts that are tormenting, that are causing anxiety, frustration, disappointment, discouragement, all those kinds of things. Those are tormenting influences. And you have a right to stop them. So I'm going to give you real quick four specific steps to guard your mind. Remember now, the first one is what? The foundation is you got to have peace with God. This is what you're going to build off of, okay? The promise is that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind. So in order to claim that promise, to, in order to apply it to our lives, there's four things real quick. And the first one is you have to renounce anxiety. Now some of you, I don't know who you are, you do, you get anxious very easily. I'm just telling you, by nature, it's one thing, but when it goes beyond the level of natural anxiety, There's a problem. And you need to close that door. You need to renounce that anxiety. The Bible said, what do we say? Be anxious for nothing. No thing. <laughs> Be anxious for no thing. And so every time anxiety begins to invade your mind, what are you going to do? You need to, you need to say, 
And, and I, I really believe that there's something about saying this out loud. Because your mind is connected to your tongue, whether you believe that or not. If you don't believe that, I want you to think, or, or I, want you to, I want you to count one to ten, and somewhere in the middle there, think your name. And I guarantee you, you can't do it and just keep on counting. You're going to stutter and stop, think for a second, then go on. Because your tongue is tied to the frontal lobe of your brain where you're thinking. And, 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 and you have to say it. The Bible says the word of faith is near unto you even in your mouth. And so I just believe that when anxiety comes, you need to say in your own words, I don't care how you say it, but something like, I am reconciled with God. I am right in my relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and God holds nothing against me. Therefore, devil, you cannot torment me because I am his and he is mine. He's got everything in control. And when you say that, the enemy flees. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You, you, have to, you have to take action. When that thought comes, you can't call somebody and go, pray for me right now, please, 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 I'm having this thought. You just can't do that. I mean, they could do it once or twice, but you have to learn to stand up on your own and do it. Because those thoughts are constantly coming. You need to say, God is on my side. God is not against me. God is for me. And all the resources that God has in heaven are for me. I refuse to be anxious. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, the first time you try and do that, he's going to come right back again. It's, it's kind of like, have you, have you ever had... And please don't get me wrong on this. I don't hate animals or anything. Have you ever had a little puppy dog follow, follow you? And you're walking along and you're like, no, 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 go back, go back. Come on. And they stop and look at you. And then you start walking. As soon as you do, you look and here they come. Go on, go on. And as soon as you turn around, they take off, you know. But as soon as you take off this way, here they come again. You know, and it's not until you go, go home. <laughs> that, that dog takes off running, right? I, I, please, I'm not an animal hater. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you understand something. That's what the end of, He wants to know whether you really got the goods. Or are you just going to do one time and fold? Like a house of cards. He needs to know that. So you need to renounce anxiety, okay? Be anxious for nothing. And if, if that's the, maybe you need to start there. Write it down. Write the verse down and then and write that down and write out, you know, whatever. And you need to talk out loud. You know, I've, I've talked out loud to myself before. Come on now. You know? And if you don't think it's biblical, you're not reading the Bible. Psalms 103. Read it. David, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord. He's talking to him. He's talking to his soul. His soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. That is the soul of who we are. The mind, will, and emotion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, I don't feel like blessing. I said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he goes on listing all the things that God has done for him. He's having this argument, if I can put it that way. He's having a talking to, a come to Jesus meeting with himself. Amen. And some of us need to do that. Okay, the second condition is we need to pray about everything. Everything. I had a guy one time tell me, he said, I just pray about big things. I said, I get thrilled when God, I pray about little things and God does them. He did better than big things. Because this tells me that he's listening. He's, he's concerned about everything. All the little things, you know. Um, many times we do not have mental peace because we don't pray. We expect someone else to pray for us. Or we think that because I went to church, now I'm going to have peace of mind. Look what it says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So you have to pray about everything. A problem arises. What do we usually do? First thing, we just tend to naturally handle it. And, and that's where the phrase comes from. Well, the only thing we got left now is to pray. That should have been the first thing that you did. And we try and solve things without turning to God, without asking for his wisdom, without asking for his resources, which are available to us when we pray. So you need to renounce anxiety. And so when you renounce anxiety, what are you going to do? Pray. Pray. I have the right to come in the name of Jesus to the heavenly throne and not worry whether or not I'm going to be cast aside. No, God is going to listen and God is going to make resources available to you. A lot of times I pray, you know, when I was younger, I knew the answer to, I told God how to fix everything. The older I, I've become, the less I know the answers, but I know the one who does. And I'll, a lot of times I'll say, Father, I pray in this situation. I pray in my understanding. And then I say, but God, you move in such a way that it brings glory to your name. Somebody might say that's not specific. Sounds specific to me. So we need to renounce anxiety. We need to pray about everything. And the third thing is always be thankful. This is hard. But it, look what it says. And with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, with thankfulness, let your request be made known to God. Uh, it, this is absolutely essential. You say, why? It's good to pray, but you have to pray with thanksgiving. In other words, it, praying is not begging. Praying is just speaking, having a conversation with the Father. Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, because you said I could. And I lift this situation 
that's burdening my heart. That's the, I lift the, the situation that I'm facing and I don't have an answer for. But I thank you, God, that I can come to you. And I thank you, God, and you do hear me. And I thank you, God, that if I ask in your name, you said you will answer. I don't know how you're going to answer. I don't care how you're going to answer. But God, I'm bringing it to you and I'm asking you to answer. And I thank you for that in advance. We got to have Thanksgiving. Listen, a couple of thoughts came to me this afternoon and I just wrote them down. A thankful heart usually is a peaceful heart. Because ingratitude is the opposite to the whole nature of God. When we're ungrateful, we're not usually thankful. And so a thankful heart usually is a peaceful heart. And, and it's, it's good to pray, but we have to pray with thanksgiving. And, and I'm convinced an ungrateful person cannot know true lasting peace. Because when you have ingratitude in your heart, your heart's divided. And then the fourth condition is you have to think about right things or correct things. Okay, so I have to renounce anxiety. Those are the thoughts that are coming that are making me anxious. I need to pray about everything I, I need to be thankful, but then I need to think. When I'm done with that, I need to think about the right things, okay? We read verses 6 and 7 of Philippians 4, but look at verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, finally. In other words, he said, in, in summary, I'm wrapping this thing up. Here's the final thing you need to know. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay? I want you to notice, and I've highlighted it in yellow, those three words. Whatever is true. Now listen to me on this. Because you have to remember that something may be true, but it should be something that you're thinking about. Well, let that sink in for a minute. Because you weren't thinking like that. You were thinking whatever's true in here. But the enemy's going to come along and tell you, yeah, but what you're facing's real. That's true. You don't need to be thinking like that. We should not be, think about people's faults and failings, right? We shouldn't even be, be thinking about our own. I mean, in other words, if all we're thinking about and we're doing is putting ourselves down, now we don't need other people to put ourselves down. We're just putting ourselves down. We're beating ourselves up. And then Paul goes on and he makes a list. And here's what the list says. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And, and you can look in whatever translation, they may use a couple different words, whatever. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he said, think. The word think there means dwell. 
In other words, it's not like think, like have a thought. It means dwell on it. It means think on it. It means plant yourself on that idea or that thought or that whatever it is. He said, dwell on such things. And the, and the point here is this, and wrapping this up, is that you and I have the power to focus our mind on whatever we choose. You can't sit there and use the old argument, well, the devil's making me think these things. No, he's not. You choose what goes in there and stays in there. He may, he may whisper a thought, but he cannot leave it there. You're the one that either closes the door and the windows and lets it take up abode there, or you say, out in the name of Jesus. You can focus on negative topics or you can focus on what builds you up. You can focus on the negative things in the world or you can focus on the good things that God is doing. You have that choice. I have that choice. And it is so easy that, you know, the Bible says that if your eye offends yourself, pluck it out. If, if your hand does, cut it off. And, and Jesus wasn't really talking about going up, plucking out your eye and cutting off your hand. But the, the principle was that if you're doing something that's causing you to stumble and fall, stop it. In other words, deal with it, okay? So if, if your weakness, if there's a, an activity that causes you to stumble into sin constantly, let me tell you how to do that. Quit doing the activity. You know, I, I remember years ago, I heard John Maxwell tell it. I won't tell it exactly the same because it's been a long time since I heard it. He talked about a man who was walking down the road and turned the corner and he saw some excavation going on in the road. He went over to look down in the ditch to see what was going and the man fell in. The next day, the man's going down the road, turns the corner, looks down. He sees excavation going on. He wants to see how deep they've gotten. He got to the corner and he fell in. Third day, he goes around the corner, get down, you know, down the road, turns, sees the excavation. Boy, it looks even deeper. Wonder how far they got. And he says, I'm going to be real careful this time. But he gets too close to the corner, and he falls in. Fourth day, he goes down the road, turns the corner, sees there's an excavation going on. He keeps going straight. You know, quit doing this thing that makes you keep falling in. Get a, go a different direction. Replace it with something else. I mean, you have to. You know, it, it's like uh, my mom used to work for Weight Watchers in the early days. Uh, it was nothing like what they have today. Back then, it was horrible. And uh, my, my mom got paid $10 for holding a class, and I got paid $5 for weighing in the people. You, it was the best $5 of my life, man. I'm telling you. Back then, minimum wage was like 95 cents an hour or whatever. I got $5 to listen to the most creative stories you have ever heard. And 99% of the people in my mom's class were women. And I'm just telling you, it, the stories I heard, I would tell my mom on the way home, you remember so-and-so? You know why she gained nine pounds this week? This is what she did. My mom said, you've got to be kidding. I said, that's what she told me. 
But she said, don't tell you, but I got to tell you, you know, you got to tell her, you know. I said, you're my boss. You, and you know, I'm weighing people in. I'm, I'm just telling you. That, so it's like one lady, one lady came in and she had lost 29 pounds in one week. And we were like, wow, that's a record. And we thought, well, what did you follow the program? And she said, I couldn't figure out the program. I just quit eating Snicker bars and drinking Cokes. In one week, she lost 29 pounds. She had a lot of weight to lose, but I mean, 29 pounds was pretty good, you know? And I thought, well, that's a good start, but you really need to learn the plan, you know? I mean, because that, that you can't just go through your whole life. And what I, my point is, you can't just take away something and not replace it with something else. And that's what I was trying to tell the lady. I said, you might lose some weight for two or three weeks just not eating Snicker bars and, and, and drinking Coke. But at some point, you're going to stall because you haven't replaced what you've taken away with, with the right thing. And um, uh, so I learned that a long time ago. You, you cannot just say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to fall in this area. I'm not going to do it. But if you just keep focusing on the thing you're not going to do, guess where your focus is on? <laughs> the thing that you, you keep doing. You've got to change your focus. You've got to replace it with something else. You, you've got to focus on what builds you up, what is positive, and what is edifying. And then lastly, I'm just saying you need to pray for God to give you peace of mind. I'm, look. Peace of mind does not happen overnight. And it's a constant battle at times. Why? You may go, you've conquered some areas in your life and God's given you blessing or whatever and then something happens. Some, something ambushes you out of nowhere and you didn't see it coming and you're all of a sudden, you're just like, oh God. Why is this happening? And, and immediately, your, your spirit and brain need to kick into gear and go, God has a purpose for everything that happens in my life. For God works all things together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. You have to immediately go on the offensive. You cannot stay on the defense and win. You've got to go on the offensive. And I think sometimes it's simply asking God to show you how to receive and how to walk and have true peace of mind. When you desire to take practical steps to overcome mental torment and enjoy, listen to me, enjoy peace of mind, the Lord will bring it. He'll give it to you. And I realize there may be some here tonight that you're battling some things. And I'm not here to embarrass you or anything like that. Because we all go through different battles at different times. But I'm telling you, he's faithful. He is faithful. We sang that earlier tonight. He is faithful. And I, as we sang that, I was thinking, Lord, you found me 54 years ago on the side of the road in California. And God, you've been faithful all these years. I'm so thankful for that. 
So why don't we take a moment and just pray right now? Now maybe you're sitting there and you're 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 not in right relationship with the Lord. Then you need to simply at this moment with your own words speaking to him. There's no mystical prayer, super spiritual prayer or anything like that. I, you, I, yeah, I prayed the night that Christ came to me. I didn't even understand that's what was happening. I was just told, you talk to God like you talk to your friend. And I remember telling the Lord as a teenage boy, God, I'm sick and tired of being a phony. I'm tired of trying to do right in my own strength. If you can do anything with me, I'm yours. Please, just forgive me. I didn't know one verse of the Bible. And I didn't know what had happened, but in that moment, the weight of the world went off my shoulders. It wasn't for days and weeks later that I learned that I had been born again by the Spirit of God. God takes us where we are. He meets us where we are. And he hears our heart. God searches the heart. And so if you're not right with him, you need to just tell him right now, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I stand opposed to you because of my sin. I am in need of a savior and you gave your son Jesus to pay the price for all sin. Jesus, forgive me. This night, come into my life. I surrender my life to you that I might fulfill the purpose and plan you have for me. I ask this in Jesus' name, and I receive it. Amen. And the Bible says that in this moment, you've transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his eternal Son, Jesus Christ. You may not understand it all. You won't. But it is a new start, a fresh start. You are now set right and reconciled with God. And that's the basis for peace of mind. Now, there, I just sense that there's some here tonight, you, you're being tormented by certain thoughts, accusations, voices, whatever, however you want to word it. And you would say, Pastor, would you just pray with me right now? I want to experience God's peace in my mind that I can close my eyes at night and have peace in my heart and not fear and anxiety and all of those things. 
but that God, I can trust you that everything is going to work according to your plan. And if that's you and you want someone just to pray with you, I just, just slip up your hand and I'll pray with you right now. I'm not going to come and embarrass you or anything like that. I just need to know if there's anybody that needs for someone to pray with them right now for peace of mind and the tormenting thoughts. Okay, there's one. Anybody else? Okay, there's another. Anyone else? You can put your hand back down. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Anyone else? And let's pray right now. Father, I thank you that your word is true. You're not a God who lies or a God who misleads. Your word is true. And we can move from mental torment to true peace of mind. And I, I, I lift these up right now who raised their hand. Father, I rebuke the tormentor. I rebuke the accuser. We come against that accusing voice of the enemy. And I declare that God, you are for them, O Lord. That God, you are not against them, you are for them. Though they raise their hands, the enemies tried to tell them they're not worthy, they're not justified, they're not good enough. But Father, that is a lie out of the pit of hell. And I pray for them right now by faith in Jesus' name. Give them peace. We renounce all anxiety. We renounce it right now. We come against that spirit of anxiety. And we pray now, Lord God, from now on, instead of fearing and having anxiety issues and, and becoming anxious, God, we're going to begin to pray. Devil, when you bring tormenting thoughts, you're going to hear me pray out loud. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to give God thanks for what he has done. I'm going to focus my thoughts on what is good and true and pure. Thank you, Lord, for providing steps from your word that we can escape mental torment and have true peace of mind. We choose that peace today and we step into it by faith in Jesus Christ and this word. It is a sure word for each and every one of us that believe. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now you've got to put it into practice. I have to put it into practice. You have to put it into practice. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Any questions or comments or whatever? You might have about what we've talked about the last two weeks here. None. Then praise the Lord. God bless you. I pray, Lord God, just bless each and every one as they leave this place. Let your hand of favor rest upon them. I pray, Lord God, that the people they come in contact would be uplifting and, and, and just be a blessing in their life. I thank you, Father. There's some, I, I don't know who they, don't know them personally, but God, you know them better than they know themselves. And you know 
what you have in store for them. And I thank you, Lord. I give you thanks even now that you are opening doors of opportunities and blessing beyond anything that they could ever imagine because you are a good, good father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.